it's Halloween. <laughs> so, uh, how should we say this? Be like. Ooh, welcome to Halloween. I don't know why I've been mad most. <laughs> Ooh, in the park. Uh, <laughs> welcome to a very special Halloween episode of No Clip. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Resident Evil. Uh, this is a game that came out in 1996, as we just looked up. <laughs> uh, on the PlayStation, the first one, Big Gray Box, uh, which was developed by Capcom and published also by Capcom, because they made Mega Man and have a billion dollars. <laughs> uh so I was ecstatic to talk about this game, um, but I love horror games, have, like, a huge nostalgia boner for this game, and also, like, have recently gotten really into adventure games. I have a feeling you guys were less enthused, yeah. though. How do you? How do you feel about that, Andy? Do I've you... never played the game. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched JJ play the game. Some of the game, let's be clear here. Yeah, okay. not even the whole <laughs> A large portion, not... I don't know, it depends on how you guys want to really phrase large here. I would say you played about half of the game. Okay, that's uh, what you played. So I yeah. watched half of the game, and, yeah. then, and then I was told about the end. I watched the other half of the game, <laughs> but did not tell Andy about the ending. Uh, I completed the game for, I think, the third time in my life. And it occurred to me while watching them start the game that I've never completed the game as Chris before. And there's a really good reason for that. It's because playing as Chris is fucking hard. What? Really? Well, playing as Chris, you only have six inventory slots. Yeah, that's that sucks in more ways than two. I played... Three, yeah, it sucks in at least exactly two ways. <laughs> and those are the two inventory slots that you don't have. Um... But, well, I don't know, that's, I guess, our experience, our past experience with the game. Let's back up and, like, talk about what the game is for a second. Uh, we should start by saying that Resident Evil is a survival horror game, and I believe it was, like, originally billed as, like, the survival horror game. Not just the as, like, the penultimate version. Wasn't it, like, among the first or the first? It's, I believe, the first game that actually coined the term survival horror. In the, in the campy, like, text intro? Yeah. Okay. I fi- yeah, well, I believe that it <laughs> starts with a line that says, like, uh, welcome to the survival horror. Enter. Enter, Enter the, the survival, survival horror. horror. Yeah. So I think it coined the term, but I feel like there are examples of games similar to it in the past that could kind of fall into the same thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a survival horror game in as much as it is sort of like an adventure game uh, that is relatively unforgiving about letting you do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it has the same sort of, like, inventory-based puzzles and, like, uh, environment-examining sort of things that you would do in, like, an old point-and-click adventure game. But then... It also has, like, the combat integrated into the game, and a lot of other things that I kind of want to dedicate a chunk of this to talking about that forward the, like, tension and horror that the game succeeds in pulling off, but through mechanics. But we'll get into that kind of later. I gotta say, as someone who's only played four before this, I was not expecting it to be this adventure gaming. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's extremely adventure game. There was a whole lot less, like 
jump scares and other things designed to be scary in the way that we often interpret it from like a modern perspective and a whole lot more of just like this slow tension building where slow is both you mean slow literally like you take a lot of time to do lots of things and not a lot of crazy stuff happens while you're doing such things right I, and I, I I agree with that um, the game like does a really good job of sort of delivering on its on like the fear at a very slow pace and very uh, sort of deliberate you have to progress through things that you wouldn't necessarily want to. And I do talk about, like, subtlety in a game that literally at a point does just dump snakes on you. <laughs> so it has its moments of not subtle, but a lot of the time it is just sort of, like, dread of what's going to come next. Also, to be clear... Uh, Although we've done a little bit of homework uh, on the oldest 1996 iteration, the version we played uh, was the 2015 PC HD remake of right. the first game, which is itself uh, an, like sort of like an HD upgrade of a 2002 Two. GameCube game. Right, which I've played all three. The three <laughs> times I've been through the game was once on the, well, technically on the PlayStation 2 emulating a PS1. With uh, the first one, and then I played it on the GameCube, and I played this one most recently. And I need to say, I think that it they did a really good job. Capcom has been releasing these remakes recently, and I feel like they actually do a really good job of kind of bring, like updating it and bringing it up to uh, modern like it's visual standards at the least. Dude, I could not believe, going through this, that this was a GameCube game at some point. Oh, yeah. From like a purely visual perspective. Is that of the sound design? I guess, when you're talking about subtleties earlier, this was the only thing that really stuck out to me uh, as one of the more subtle elements of the game is how much you hear these like tiny little like surround sound noises, uh, little fire crackles, and, you know, the dust and wind and other tiny things. And then the game will just, again drop snakes on your head. <laughs> Occasionally it'll just drop some snakes on you. I don't know why. I know it's... Uh, keep you on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, I guess, I don't know if this is an intended sound, like side effect of the sound design, but uh, there's, like, that dining room that's, like, a safe area throughout the whole game. Like, there are never any zombies in it, and there's a typewriter there. Mm-hmm. But, like, I never wanted to be in there for as long as... Like, I, I just never wanted to stay in that room. Because that fucking clock. <laughs> no, I, I kept expecting something to happen in that room. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Like, every time that he went back, but... No, the yeah. only purpose of that room is to put the emblem in the above the fireplace mm-hmm. and solve the clock puzzle. That's it. Mm-hmm. You pick up... You push the statue off the second floor at one point to pick up some garbage. I found out later you don't actually have to do that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just for the lion, isn't it? The weird little lion. Well, yeah, it gets you some shotgun shells, but you can also, like, if you go to the residence and then come back, it just is, it, they don't expect, like, you just go into the room and the gem is just sitting on the table. <laughs> I don't know what, what the in fiction explanation of that is. Jill, I don't know. Jill found it. Yeah, well, I was playing Jill. Jill. Yeah, whoever the opposite person was found it and put it there, and then got locked in a cell. I am not interested in exploring like the in-depth narrative explanation for a lot of the going down of this game. <laughs> no, I, I could give you like the entire like. Now, 
people have like delved into the lore of this game or like the overall storyline of the series. Yeah. And it gets insanely complicated, and I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah, there were already too many viruses in this game. Right, yeah. There's like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and God forbid you want to uh, skip the Plant 42 boss. You have to, like, mix up a crazy chemical concoction through trial and error. It's a huge pain in the ass. I just fought the boss. I saw the note on that, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... But, yeah, like, you can summarize the story of this game pretty quick. Uh, you... Stars, which is, like, an elite team of, like, law enforcement, gets called in to an unusual happening at a mansion in Raccoon City. Flies up there in a helicopter, because why not? Get out, get attacked by dogs, run into a mansion. Later, they think someone is a traitor. Later, it turns out it's Wesker. Then they leave. That's the explicit narrative of this game. (laughs) It's not real dense. And I don't necessarily know if it's a good or a bad thing. I would lean on the side of bad. No, I think it's kind of a good thing. Like, I think, like, it's more effective. Like, a a lot of good horror movies have a simple plot, too. That's true. It's more about, like, surviving the situation, and that's where the drama comes from rather than the story. Yeah, from a gameplay perspective, I would agree. I just think that the fact that sometimes they do, like, want you to, like, look at a cutscene right. makes me, like, hurt inside. <laughs> Luckily, it's real rare, though, after the beginning. Yeah. Right? You get, like, two, and then after that, not again until, like, very specific moments. I think maybe three or four in the yeah. whole game. The, only when you run into, like, side characters, which is itself a very, very rare occurrence. I think one very forward-thinking point of this game was... In fact, how little scenes like that happen and how little you're interrupted while playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can just kind of continuously go through the game uh, without like cutscene interruption like what happened in a lot of the later iterations of the series. I always kind of thought it would be interesting, speaking of interrupting the game flow, <laughs> is to see what would happen if they implemented sort of like a uh, Dark Souls-style inventory system where it doesn't pause the game. Because, like, I felt like there were a lot of situations where I felt really overwhelmed, but was able to just, like, calmly pause, like, s- like equip the shotgun, blow away whatever was currently in front of me, then go back into the inventory, switch out for the pistol, and then take out, like, smaller guys. Mm-hmm. And, I like, if I had to do that on the fly, this game would be much harder. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I was playing on easy, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> On your third time through the game. It's a fucking hard game. <laughs> also, I missed the shotgun and the grenade launcher. Wait, what? Yeah, you I missed just... the shotgun? I just... Well, I knew it was there, and then later I picked up the fake shotgun, and then I was like, eh. <laughs> and just waited and got the assault shotgun from the yawn encounter. Yeah. Uh, that snake. Yeah, so I had to... The snake is so. It's the most. It's a huge snake. It's the most <laughs> non-threatening thing in the game. That okay. That well, no, the spiders are hilariously <laughs> non-threatening because they just kind of slowly amble toward you <laughs> and then stop and then like are shot. Get ready for an attack and then you just walk away. <laughs> yeah, we'll shoot them. Well, okay, just to walk away might be sort of us being a bit like backward thinking here. Because we could only have the option of just walk away because the new version didn't use tank controls by default. 
Which is something I only learned while after I watched the remainder of the game and did some post googling because again never played one. This will be news to you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You are you saw me play the game, so you know the normal way you control is just like stick controls when the camera and its fixed positions keeps flashing around to different angles to be cinematic. Uh, but in the original version of the game, and evidently every version other than the one that we played, right? Uh, what you actually had to do was like you would press like forward and backward on the control stick, would move the character forward or backward relative to where they were facing, and left and right would turn them on their axis. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it is worth noting that there Why is... Why would anyone ever design a game that way? Uh, Gr- Grim Fandango... Wait, you're not driving a tank. Right. Uh, a lot of old adventure games actually controlled like this, like Grim Fandango did as a notable example, and in I the... still never played that. It's a good game. It's on my list. I haven't played the remake, but in the remake they updated it to allow you to have yeah. full stake controls. Thank God. The, the... <laughs> also Halloween-themed. <laughs> it is notable. The game still had the auto-aim function, that the like the remake does as well uh so it wasn't like a hindrance in combat so much because you just face generally in the direction of the enemy then start targeting and then you would swivel and point at them and then fire away as we know there's no aiming in this game it's just like point and shoot. It's yeah. not a point hindrance click, on offense. Point and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a hindrance on defense, though, right? Because you, you can no longer just walk around the spider easily. You have to, like, turn forward, turn <laughs> forward, turn forward. It's not as clunky as you make, make it out to be, though it is pretty clunky. <laughs> but the cam- it works wonders in terms of navigating. Because when you have that, like, the the way that the reason that the controls were designed that way is because when you walk from screen to screen the camera shifts abruptly yeah. and so having you hold forward allows you to maintain your orientation and continue moving in the way that you would originally were right when you add the stick controls and you'll notice this a lot in the remake if you're using 3D controls and you go into like an area where the camera shifts in a corner mm-hmm. you'll walk forward and then like you're You'll shift the stick to adjust where you're going, but the game holds your, like, orientation for a brief period so that you can just continue holding the direction you're going in. Right. But you're not used to it, so you change anyway. Yeah, And then yeah. you go back into the previous area, and then you, you repeat for yourself times. over whenever the, the camera shifts, because it in support of them, uh, they did implement a system where... Uh, you will keep moving the same direction you were moving before the camera shift as long as you hold the stick down. Right. Uh, but if you move it even the slightest bit left or right, it will change the orientation to now where the new camera is uh, and will just cause you to go in circles back and forth the right. different camera screens. You probably saw me doing that yeah, a bunch yeah. of times. That is why that kept happening. I figured it was something like Additional that. support for the tank controls and the more literal reason of why they wanted you to move at the speed of a tank uh, was that <laughs> try and make it harder if you did like physically evade the things that were in front of you right. it was just another dis- like a force of disempowerment at the time evidently they have just finally made the concession that it's more annoying than uh i don't know yeah. it's i players, think it's just a modernization yeah. thing yeah yeah players like to have control at all times I'm like i don't want to be a tank <laughs> <laughs> i don't want this to take an hour yeah. to move from location to location they did not however uh it's also worth noting that the PlayStation 1 that the game originally shipped on did not have analog sticks. I always forget that. Yeah, because they had the Pro Controller that came out like two years into the life cycle of it 
uh, that did have two analog sticks, but uh, yeah, it originally shipped with just a D-pad, and so the tank controls seem a little bit more natural. I suppose. Yeah. Because tank controls, I can attest, do not feel natural at all with an analog stick, <laughs> because you, like, try and move, like, if you move it at an angle, your character doesn't really shift at that angle. It's, yeah. It's really hard to wrap your head around. They, however, kept a lot of other annoyances uh, in, for the sake of disempowerment. Yes. Most notably, the inventory system. Oh, it's glorious. I hate it without without any qualms. <laughs> I, they, I think the one change they could have made to make that like actually compelling uh, would have been to make key items not take up space in your main inventory. I recognize that probably at the time of the PS1, there was just some kind of hardware limitation. I don't really think so, because I'm pretty sure that you could just create like a list of like Boolean variables of each key item and just tick it to one. <laughs> and then you could store those in an array that would take up literally one byte. Then they have no excuse and they, well, well, they did it. It's supposed to add to the, the survival horror element. Like, like oh I don't to have to enter this survival oh horror. But it doesn't because you're never actually limited. This is the alternative solution to this problem. Uh, is there, it's actually very rare in the game when you're in a situation where you can't just turn around and leave. Right. Uh, you, you're never blocked off from access to like all the little item storage units. They're just annoyingly far away. <laughs> and so you can play it as if the inventory isn't actually a limit where every time you need something from your inventory, you just take the full minute to run back to where you, whatever key item you need is rearrange your stuff, come back, use it, go back, get the yeah. optimal gear set, and then continue forward. I think forward. it's just supposed to be for that feeling of when you run into an encounter and you don't have what you need to get past it. Like, that's supposed to, like, scare you. Right. Even though you can just leave and go get it. Like, I... that initial, like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Uh, I don't have what, a gun. <laughs> I need to yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> you that's... just successfully go. Yeah, right, I mean, but, like, but I think it's just well. for that feeling. Like, the game just wants to make you feel something in that moment. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think it's a little bit bullshit that Chris only has six inventory yeah, like, slots. What, is there like a in-game a, reason for that? She like keeps stuff in like pockets or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the classic bro. He's like, oh, I'll just stick this death mask in my like, left cuff. Doesn't you he know? have like a billion pockets? <laughs> it's just a big mask. Yeah. I'll figure this out afterwards later. Remember at the very start of the game when I, you had the opportun opportunity to like switch between two different character models? Yeah. The one was from the GameCube version. game and the other, the newer one, is just from like how Chris looks now. In the yeah. newer Resident Evil and like games. RE5. So yeah, only yeah. in the newer games did he have he like a combat yes. vest with infinite pockets. <laughs> right. But in oh oh I might be wrong. I hope I'm not, but I'm pretty sure that in RE five, which I think is the next canonical one that Chris is, was in. I wouldn't know. I honestly can't remember who the playable characters were in yeah. three. I know two was Leon, but you uh, yourself a fan. I know right? <laughs> it's been a long fucking time. They, I think they might eventually get to remaking those. In which case, I'll play them. But right now, I have no way to do it. Mm. Uh, but he, he like, I think they switched over to the RE4 inventory Tetris system. So he doesn't like. He has all his pockets, but he's just carrying a briefcase. <laughs> like, with a briefcase that's full of, like, rocket launchers, but, like, whatever. <laughs> However you want to do it. Um, but, yeah, so I don't really... 
I don't I don't know. It's bullshit that he has six inventory slots because it makes the game needlessly longer. Because you have to go to an item box, drop off your unnecessary stuff, pick up the key items you actually need, go to the next area, unlock the next thing, find out what key items you need again, go back to the item box, pick them up, repeat ad nauseum. It's really annoying. With Jill, I basically did that, though, except with the two extra inventory slots, I was just always able to carry a heavy weapon with me. Is it So also, it makes combat much is easier. Is it kind of like to reinforce, like, you go back and forth so much, and, like, you're used to the house being a certain way? Yeah. And then when things change, like, when you trigger the next, you know, face. Yeah. And, like, then you're going back and forth, and, like, now there's a zombie here. And you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wasn't there before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think those triggers happen often enough for reference, because anytime you get stuck on, like, a specific puzzle or something, like I often did, and had right. to keep going back and forth through the whole house, like, all the red sections on the map, trying to make sure I got all the items I needed and got, I just became so familiar it felt like the veneer of horror to but the game in those moments was sort of slipping away is that was that intentional though well i think they wanted you to learn the map like the mansion specifically oh yeah as well as humanly possible because it really breaks flow when you're constantly bringing up the map to check where you are and where you need to be so like the more that you learn like how the mansion is laid out the less that you have to like pull up the map and look at the next thing and then go back. You kind of just sort of like, oh, I need to be in, like, uh, the room with the knight statues. And you're like, I know where that is. So you go, like, through the dining room, past dead guy on the floor, Kenneth, uh, <laughs> up the stairs, by the crow room, yep. and then you're there. And it's like, it's just sort of for that reason, but I agree that it does sort of lessen the, like, horror value. See, I think... Except you will get to know when there are crimson heads around. Because you're like, you like you stroll in, and you're like, I don't want to go through that fucking hallway again. Because there are like three of them, and I don't have any more characters. I'll come back to Crimson Heads after Andy. I, saying, I, would, I would argue that it enhances the horror. Because, like, for me, like, as he was playing it, I was like, man, this game hasn't held up, like, at all. It's a little bit scary. Because, <laughs> like, and then, like, he's like, he's got the, what's the first key? The, the, like, the, Fuck out of shield sword key? key, sword key, sword key. Yeah, sword key is he got he had the sword key and like he opened all those rooms. He was going around getting all the items and solving the puzzles and stuff. And we got like really used to what the house was like, right? And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then like once he gets the next key and things start to change, like that like really like threw me off. I'm like, oh crap! Like now right. I don't know when the zombie's gonna come into this place or there when there weren't one before. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, I thought that was really effective. The key lock system keeps you, like, with the fear of the unknown kind of thing going but on. I do agree that it, that should have happened more often. I think the developers admitted that it wasn't happening often enough because of uh, the introduction of the Crimson Heads. Because other thing that I learned, those didn't exist in the original Resident Evil for the right. PlayStation. They were huh. created for the GameCube remake. In order to add that kind of uncertainty and continual tension, right. where you don't know when things are going to come alive again and attack you at a random time. Yeah, that should be... I don't have a list necessarily pulled up of 
like what is different between the first one and the like GameCube version. But for the most part, when we discuss a, like a mechanic, if it didn't exist in the 1996 version, that's because I haven't played that version in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, and like, they've only played the PC version and I've played the GameCube far more recently. And then this one most recently, the defensive items were also an addition, like right. the, not the daggers and the like grenades and stuff. There's... I really didn't find them like, horribly useful most of the time i i don't really know why they exist either they seem like kind of crutches i get just a way to make it easier if you did not lose health yeah it's because you get like it and they it was i think it was another way to mitigate difficulty like 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 if like, you don't react quick enough you can still stab yeah but why was but i mean like i think it's to accentuate the differences between the difficulty levels because you find more defensive items on easy than you do on normal than you do on hard okay etc etc et i think I there are like five difficulty levels in this game really oh yeah there's uh there's very easy easy normal hard and true survival horror <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have no idea what, like, the nightmare mode is like, but I can't imagine I want to do it. <laughs> I also wished... I, I I forget the mode that I started it on. I forget even if I had an option at the start. Yeah, you started on normal, because it asks you if you like your games like a walk in the park, <laughs> or like climbing a mountain. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Or somewhere in the middle. I don't remember what that hills, was. Hills, just like hill trots. Right, yeah. Like it was guess. like an, an element of satisfaction upon completion or something. I was like, God damn it. Like, what is, why don't the every, why doesn't every game have <laughs> like a difficulty setting that describes it like akin to what you might do on a Sunday? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wish the, uh, they, I guess, I wish I'd gone up at least one stage on the difficulty level. Um, I thought I had too many healing items, uh, and I felt like the combat encounters weren't threatening enough, both probably because of the increased amount of movement I had compared to the original version of the game, uh, and how it's... Okay, this is sort of branching off. I felt like combat in general kind of not interactive enough. Because you don't aim? Yeah, because you just press the, like, aim at button and then the shoot button. Right, and then hope that you have enough bullets in your gun that the guy falls over. Right, and it's a random amount, which I like. I like the that that's random. Right. It keeps some tension, because you, you can never, like, precisely calculate everything that happens. You're going Especially since so much of the combat happens off screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll be, like, in a hallway and shooting at a guy on the other screen and just, like... Being like, I hope he doesn't enter France. <laughs> <laughs> but you just... Because combat always boils down to that, to you holding one trigger and pressing the other repeatedly until dead, you don't quite know when dead will be. It, it ever created a whole lot of variance in what you do. Well, you didn't get far enough to encounter other enemy types. Which is, I guess, notable. Because there's the... Well, I mean, okay, you saw zombies, crimson heads, and uh, dogs. dogs. Yeah. Right. That's what I played. I think the dogs have a name. Right. So you will later encounter uh, the Cerebus is... And that's not what they're called. Those are the dogs. That's what the dogs are called. (laughs) I was like, what are the dogs called? (laughs) That one. Uh, Chimeras is what I was going to say. And... The hunters. Chimeras? Yeah, chimeras are like weird bug things. Okay. Yeah. Just any like... actual chimera. It's all the Now, I think if you played Resident Evil 5, which I actually recommend, even a lot of people don't, 
I really like Resident Evil 5. 4 is obviously the best game ever made, but yep. 5 <laughs> is like a slight step down, but still pretty good. Uh, they have a much more intimidating version of the Hunter. Uh, in Resident Evil 1, the Hunters were like weird, like, they look like Turok 2 enemies. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> different about them because when i watched on the stream by the time any hunters were encountered he already had the assault shotgun right so they didn't appear to just be any different well see a lot of the times you don't want to just strut around with the shotgun out because like it's the second most limited ammo type and the third most limited ammo type in the game because magnum i think there are 18 bullets for in the whole game oh wow i think it comes preloaded with six and you might not get one of those pickups on later difficulty levels so i'm thinking like 18 is usually the amount of magnum shells you're gonna see in the whole game um but yeah like so you don't really want to strut around with the shotgun at all times i intentionally hamstring myself due to experience in the first section of the game and did the entire mansion up until completing the uh like finishing the death mask puzzle uh before I even used anything other than the handgun. <laughs> so, uh, it wasn't quite as bad. But, like, if you encounter a hunter and you only have the handgun, you just need to fucking leave. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they move faster, hit harder, and have, like... I mean, that's basically it. That's the yeah. difference. Chimeras can walk on the walls and grab you from the ceiling. Uh, and mostly exist to fuck you over in the horrible transport the explosive fuel part of the game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I was miraculously did not die on for the first time, I think, since having ever played this game. I, like, just walked. I did get grabbed once, but there's a chance that it won't kill you immediately. Uh, I managed to, like, break out and then walk over and put the thing in, so. It, well, he's referring to, for reference, that you've been seeing this, right. there's a part in the game where you have to get a capsule of, like, really volatile fuel, and you have to walk the whole distance between the two points, or it'll just explode and kill you. Huh. So if you're, like, jostled at any point or move too quickly, you will die instantaneously. Huh. Uh, second question answered. Sounds like not fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember how I was like, but the run button isn't working, or I kept going into oh, controls yeah. and I like, couldn't figure out how to run? Evidently, in, in the control scheme that I set up, you are running constantly. At all times. That was running? Yeah. That was running. Huh. Walking is slower than that. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Well, if you play the more recent games, they actually do have like a run button, and so you do walk pretty slowly from place to place. Uh -huh. And you find yourself just like holding B to run. At like all times, <laughs> so I think it's honestly yeah, it's kind like of an the improvement. Running shoes and Pokemon, yeah, it's right, Pokemon yeah. Run. Just That's turn them on yeah. all the time. <laughs> Please never stop running. <laughs> He's uh, in such great shape. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, we, we were originally talking about the inventory system, and then it got like way off track. But I did want to uh, dedicate like a section of this talking about how. Not just mechanically and thematically, but through the game systems itself, this game pushes tension. So, like, we're talking about, like, having to walk and not ever run yeah. you, while doing that, which is a great, while carrying the thing, which is a great mechanical way to make you feel like you could die at any second. <laughs> but the reason that that's so scary is because if you die, the game oh, yeah. tells you you're dead and then boots you to the menu. It just says, like, like basically if you started the game up just now. So, 
your save files are precious, and you can only save at certain locations, and you have a limited number of saves, which is a largely overblown yeah. thing. At, at the beginning of the game, I was real serious about like conserving the ticker tapes to make sure, and then I reached a point where I was like, I have 12 of these. What right. am I doing? Yeah, I went out save 12 times before the end of the game, and then proceeded <laughs> to save just like any other game. Right. I saved, I think... 20 times-ish over the course of the game. Even if it's functionally pointless, I still think it's a good include. Yeah, Just think... so you have a way to make saving take up an inventory slot uh, and so you feel like you, there's a time Well, see, you life. should never have saving take up an inventory slot. You should just always keep the tape in the in the, the ink ribbons in the item box. Oh, yeah, because there's always A typewriter right next the... to it, so you just pop it open, oh, grab it, save I it, and leave it. Oh, he always kept it. Yep. Yeah, I was no, like, oh, it's... man, if I, I want to make sure I can save if I ever find a typewriter. A typewriter. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool, an item. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that uh, feature would really bother me, because I'm the kind of person that saves all the time in games. <laughs> I, it stems from, like, being a kid and having your Game Boy die. Right. Yeah. Like, so that's, like, taught me to save after I do anything in a video game. Yeah, I think the increments were included as a way to, like, make you feel more stressed about, like, having this, like, wanting to go as far as you can before saving. Yeah. So that the death would be it, like a really fits, frightening concept. Yeah, it fits the theme of survival. Right. Yep. Uh but the yeah, because it doesn't say like respawn, it says resident evil. evil. <laughs> <laughs> Load game. <laughs> there's, there's like no concept in the game of like an extra life really. Yeah. Like you just start over whenever you die. But um shit. Shit. Oh, yeah, I think it was included as a way to, uh, like, the ink ribbon mechanic was included as a way to make death seem like a more frightening prospect, but I feel like they had to make concessions for people who couldn't play, like, like X number of hours in yeah. one sitting, because, like, sometimes you do just have, like, life. I was going to go into that, like, that's another thing that they... It was very like, sort of an old school game design concept where they have to build like a whole mechanic around you are pressured to spend as much time as possible continuously playing before <laughs> you can save. That is the most efficient thing for you to do with the ticker tape system. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty... Like, it's cool, but yeah, I feel like it doesn't like work out completely yeah. in it the way that it It just seems like a gimmick now. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, I mean, even to this day, they still use the... Uh, the typewriter system, but they've done away with ink ribbons. So you, oh, yeah, they have. Yeah, so you do just like wire for a typewriter. It's effectively it just gives you like set save points so that you don't, you can't like save scum and be like, oh, just save the game, then like fight this guy, and if I die, reload and fight right. him again. You have to like actually make it to the next save point before completing. But I mean, even in RE4 and 5, and I haven't played 6, but I hear it's trash. Uh, <laughs> I've also heard that it yep, is trash. Yeah. <laughs> Word on the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you die, I'm pretty sure that there's like a checkpoint system. Ooh, so you just like bounce back system. to like the previous like mm. area or whatever. Yeah, it's a little bit uncouth. But I don't know, it's fine in a lot of situations considering how many additional one-hit death traps they added in those games. That's another thing that actually surprised me playing through this. Particularly uh, because I started the game, you were in the room, Chad. And yeah. you kept telling me, like, that this game is serious. Like, you, it's not kidding when it suggests that you'll die instantly. But 
It's not instant. It was. It's never instant. It is occasionally instant. But not. There's always room for interaction, at least in all the traps that I encountered and saw. On the rolling boulder traps, there is the way that you beat them is you have a period of like three seconds at which you can react and try and dodge out of the way. Well, there's not. There's aren't like traps though. That's necessary for progression. You have to trigger those in order to move in order to get to like the next area. But tons of other traps are like that. The uh, oh, almost all of the traps are required <laughs> for progression. The, but... Like the gas room when you get one of the death death masks, the gas doesn't kill you instantly. You can yeah, just that's leave that's an instance. Of, yeah. Uh, the if you pick up the key, the armor key too early before you have the fake key replaced. Oh yeah, you can put the key back and you're yeah. fine. Right. Every trap that I found had some kind of out like that where you could like de trap. And then return to the normal state. Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind, mostly because I died on it three times, uh, is there's a like a closing wall trap mm-hmm. later in the game where you push a, a, statue. a statue in and it closes on it. But then there's a button on the other side that retracts the walls. But it, I didn't realize that the button or like the wall was where the wall, the closing wall, would eventually end up. So I was just like hit the button. I was like, oh cool, it's coming back. Oh, fuck. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) And not to mention that, like, if you're standing on the wrong side of the statue when the wall closes, it'll kill you. And, like, you have to push the statue. That whole thing is, and it's a little tedious, but, like, it caused me a couple of deaths. I don't know. Yeah, the traps, I mean, they give you an opportunity to survive them. But they are instant death most of the time. So you do have to, like, at least prepare yourself for potentially just being dead. The kind of thing that I mean by instant is, like, there's never a point where I walked forward into a room, stepped on a button on the floor, and then, like, a guillotine came forward and cut my head off in, like, a cutscene. That's because that's bullshit. (laughs) It is, but that's what I expected out of a a game to, like, build that much tension. I expected a quick release where there was just this, like, explosion (laughs) thing, you surprise, you're dead, (laughs) restart and that never appeared, probably for good reason, but it still the like constant tension made me expect a release point that never really came. I guess. I don't know. I I kind of appreciate that to a certain extent. Not just as a player who doesn't want to die all the time, <laughs> but like as a horror fan. Yeah. I like the idea of, uh, of something a, looming over you but that never comes. You right. can't keep releasing tension if you're spending 15 hours doing the same thing. Right. That'd be a pretty tiring on-off cycle. You can release tension pretty uh, effectively with a grenade launcher, yeah. though. <laughs> you, you are always expecting something worse yeah. as you're playing through the game, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought that, um, just from lack of memory and, I guess, stupidity, thought that... You uh, are pretty stupid. I am pretty dumb. That, uh, on the street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the puzzle where you puzzle... Where you, I put giant air quotes around that, by the way. Yeah. Where you uh, push the box in the residence over to the pile of boxes and then climb over them. Yeah. If you walk the other way over the crack, the fucking Plant 42's tentacle comes out and like grabs you. Uh. I thought that was instant death and was like grab, grab by it. I was like, fuck. Because I got it when I was coming back out from the, the pool hall room. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I forgot to go over the thing. And then Joe was just like, oh. And then just kept going. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm all right then. I assume it's the same way for uh, the other like fountain plant. You have to use the fertilizer to kill. Oh, yeah. That's also, I believe, also plant 42, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh. That's because that was one of the instances where I thought, like, oh, man, I see a really 
them obviously signaling an instant death thing, and then I was like, oh, use the fertilizer here and feel so smart and not die immediately. But that means I never actually tested if it was, like, that punishing or not. Right. I love also how many locate that being a great example, how many locations in the game you can fuck up just minorly, and then immediately realize that you're an idiot. Because there's, if you walk up, you get the plant fertilizer, and then, like, if you inspect the thing that you're supposed to put it in, and then it'll it'll say, like, uh, this seems like the water source for the plant. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so I use the plant, and then it was like, which knob do you want to turn, red or green? And it's like, you turn one of the knobs, but one of the knobs kills the plant, and the other one kills all of the green herbs yeah. <laughs> that you can pick up. Like five of them. Yeah, <laughs> just a bunch of herbs. And you can turn it, and it feeds them all poison, and they die. <laughs> Which you can then turn the other knob and kill the other plant. But then, like, after you exit the menu, if you, like, look around, there's a sign on the wall that says, like, press the green one to for the plant. And you're like, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you can just kill the plant, and then the game's like, you should have looked around, you fucking idiot. What are the other times that, like, you can minorly fuck yourself over? There are a few. Um, there's, there's a map on the wall in the residence that you, if you pull off... It's like the map of the area. Yeah. And then there's a hole behind it. And if you go into the room before you do that, you realize that the hole behind the wall leads to a horrible beehive. No. <laughs> but if you just look through the hole, you can, like, you look through and then bees come out and sting your face. <laughs> and you're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> but if you had just gone around, you would have seen that there was danger on the other side. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Just live to be shit. No. We can talk about the bees. There's lots of cool bug-related... This game has so many zombies associated with it. Everyone's like, oh, Resident Evil is a zombie game. It's like, Resident Evil 1, zombies are your main enemy. And, no. Your main enemy are, like, horrible, mutated animals. There's, like, giant bees, giant spiders, giant sharks. (laughs) Oh, shit. Everyone talks about this game where, like, the dogs are so scary. Like, like the legendary freak-out moment of the game. And, I like, a couple of times I went through those hallways and it was just, like, surprise dogs. But the sharks, oh my god. Are way scarier? By far, like, the scariest thing that ever happened in the game. (laughs) This, it just happened after, uh, you also didn't see this, Andy. But there's a point where you go into the aqua ring. The, like, very literally named location. Okay. Uh, Uh where the, like, water filled up a little bit too much, and you can just walk around this, like, submer- slightly submerged catwalk, and sharks will chase you, and, like, at, like, full speed, and they slowly gain on you the whole time, so you have to, like, know exactly where you're going. And then eventually you can, like, get down in this little underwater room uh, where there's all those computers and shit, so you can try and drain the room. But when you go down there, a shark just starts slamming against the grass- glass window, and you have, like, I think a very limited period of time in which to, like, engage these blast doors that he doesn't just break the glass. Yeah, I get it. That sounds pretty scary. (laughs) I had it up to 90, which I think is the first time I ever came close to failing that part. 90% of, like, destruction in your death. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ah, damn it. But I I did actually manage to navigate the menus quickly enough to close the door. (laughs) Uh, The game actually, I feel like the game does a really good job and this, I guess, relates to the fact that, like, if you actually investigate and examine everything in the room, you can kind of solve things before they're a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game does a fairly good job of actually making you feel like a cop. Because, like, you <laughs> go in, 
And, like, nobody else really acts like a police officer, but, like, your player character does. Because you, like, walk up and you're like, okay, like, here's the problem. You look around for, like, evidence related to things, and, like, the little investigative blurbs they give you are worded very much like, you know, like a police report would word them. And so you're basically, like, tasked with putting together, like, the clues to solve the thing in the next area. They're really obvious ones where it's like, uh, whoever shall disturb this emblem will find peace in the sweet release of death. And you're like, well, I probably shouldn't pick that key up. <laughs> you eventually do anyway. You're right, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't take a detective to figure that out, but there are other things. That just was like... jarring to me at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. I kept having the sequences where, like, there are all these horrible foreboding things, you know, like... If you touch this, woe will befall to mankind, death and bleeding from all orifices. But you do it anyway, like, as part of your investigation. you got to keep exploring this house, which you are only in because you ran away from dogs. Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you don't even... Because it's in the initial cutscene of the game where you see the helicopter where, like, the rest of, like, Alpha Team 1, which are the guys you're technically there for, right? Right. The previous group of people that you're now trying to rescue. So you don't even, like, have evidence... Spoiler alert, it didn't turn out well for them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you don't even have concrete evidence that they're in this house, but you're willing to, like, drop a horrible death coffin from the ceiling just so you can look inside it. So you can... Maybe there's a key in there. Turns out there was a key in there. Beside the point, though, if you were a police officer... Also, to be fair, the key was also inside of a book, which was (laughs) inside of that. So, you know... A book that was also had death illusions about things that you were doing. No book was left unmolested in this game. Like, every single book that you find has, like, a fucking thing carved into it so they can hide a key. Or, like, <laughs> you have to, like, fucking rearrange books on a shelf to get into a secret room. Mm-hmm. It's like, Jesus... George did a really good job on the clues of this manner. He had whatever plan he wrote up. It was a good plan. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, the, I personally really like this game, and I'm incredibly biased, I guess, <laughs> when I talk about it, uh, but I feel like the theme, like, the thematic elements in this game are really on point, and I, I feel like that's a really good example of it, because you walk into the mansion, and you find, like, the inscription on the clock is, like, the door, like, the path to your destiny will open when the two have run each other through, and it's, like, next to this painting of the two these two... sword fighters. Yeah, yep. with, like, the sword going through the guy's head and the sword th- going through the guy's chest. And that's, like, your clue for the clock puzzle, which is really, like, intricate. But then, once you get past, like, the external facade of, the of like, the mansion with its, like really showy, like, death traps that involve, like, suits of armor and, like, gas traps and fucking color-matching lights, which become, like, the staple moving forward in in the series. Mm -hmm. You then get into, like, the the residence and the tunnels and then into the, uh, uh, the laboratory. And that, like, showy, like, Victorian facade falls away. And what you're left with is puzzles that involve, like, putting x-rays up and, like, looking for, uh, like, highlighted organs and button-pressing puzzles in, like, a particular order. It's like they felt like the security going into, like, the deeper, more, like, in-depth parts of the facility didn't need to be as, like, 
you know, foreboding and showy because they don't feel like that many people are going to get down there. Yeah, it didn't need to be like a cult or anything. A lot of the puzzles were created not as part of the defense systems, but just like coincidentally by people. Like, remember the organ puzzle uh, was intentionally left by like one of the scientists who was trying to help, uh, I think, Ada or something right. escape. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the game, like, and I don't, I, I don't have any hard evidence that this was something that was intentional. But like the level of like esoteria that is, that surrounds the puzzles that you do decreases over time, mm-hmm. and they become more functional. Like with one of the last puzzles in the game, if you want to save the other person, is literally just inserting key cards into key card readers <laughs> to unlock a door. It's like there's not like a he who shall want to enter thy king's dungeon shall yeah, get the key just, cards. <laughs> yeah, they keep they change it up to like keep you on your toes. Yeah, and it just I don't know. It feels very like in theme with yeah. what's like going on in the game, and I really appreciate that kind of thing. And this is something you also never got to see, but right. I only ended up seeing it sort of uh, over time through that walkthrough. Even though, like, the general game really didn't have any sort of significant narrative through line other than be alive and leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the the, the res- best horror games have that horror. as literally <laughs> like their entire plot. Yes, um, is there entire, the entire motivation of the characters? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Outlast. The first it has an objective screen <laughs> for two instances. The yeah. first one is get into in the, the asylum, and once you get in, it just says leave the asylum. <laughs> 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 like that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, the um, the uh, Lisa. The, like, experimented girl who wears faces and has her hands chained up and is immune to all weaponry. It's one face. Uh, sorry, you're right. Yeah. It's, she, one, it's one Well, face. I guess two faces because she does have her own face. Yeah. And she put a second face over top There's of it. It's a sub-face, but she didn't yeah. choose to have the first face. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was... I was actually not expecting that going through uh, while well, reading sort of all of the documents found uh, that sort of exploring the story of like this girl who was like the daughter of the guy who built the mansion being like experimented on over decades and like turning into this weird tragic horror thing where she's trying to find her mom the whole time to give her her face back yeah because yeah yeah very Very pleasant (laughs) yeah but yeah and then uh, and her whole plot line like gets resolved midway through the game during like a pseudo boss fight we have to find a way to like open up her mother's coffin so she'll stop attacking you and instead see that her mom is dead so she'll like grab the skull and kill herself yeah i don't understand why she jumped off the the bridge but it's just crazy it's just crazy person closure yeah it's just oh i found the thing to put her face yeah. on right i'm gonna kill myself it's now. her like phylactery she's like oh i finally got it time to like this is all i need in life now my mother's soul can rest <laughs> She's like a horrible, decrepit eye flesh creature at that point with tentacles. And <laughs> I guess it's also like, you know, like, okay, in that we don't really know if she died or not. Considering if you shoot her with a grenade launcher, she's fine. Yeah, in canon, it's like, we <laughs> shot her with a grenade launcher and she was fine as well. Yeah, so maybe, <laughs> like, long falls don't really hurt her that much either. Yeah, she just has the skull now. Mm-hmm. That was the, oh my god, she was the, of all the enemies in the game, Lisa's the one that, like, gave me the most fucking, like, heartache. Because I was just like, the tunnels, I swear to god, like, 
I would have had, like, the cartoon, like, huge head lumps. <laughs> like, she just walks, like, you go, like, the camera changes. Oh, Lisa's there. Vwomp! Like, just hits me across the goddamn skull with the uh, big shackles. Yep. Uh, She's the only enemy you could really have any sort of sympathy for. Because, I, I mean, it's not like you're going to really sympathize with a giant mutant shark or plant that attempts you know to I have an affinity blood. for sharks you do have an affinity for sharks but do you really sympathize with the mutant sharks no his name's <laughs> Neptune by the way that's a name yeah if you look at the at the slides in the laboratory it tells you the names of all the enemies it's ne- yeah the shark is Neptune the plant 42 yeah <laughs> you electrocuted I don't know if it's dead but it's so you mean you shocked I it I shocked it sorry uh, <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you may have electrocuted. May We're have not electrocuted. Sure. Possible yeah. electrocution. I love how that. Like, I got through that without knowing what the fuck I was doing. What all. do you mean? Like, I just, like, walked by it up onto that little platform, and then just started, like, interacting with everything, and then <laughs> the key, which I didn't know was there at the time, mm-hmm. fell into the water, and I was like, I don't know what, it just Oops. fell into the what happened, so I just kept flipping switches. <laughs> you had to resort to that a lot, uh, most kind of heinously, during what was easily my least favorite moment of the game. Oh, the, the uh, fake key The fake puzzle. key puzzle. Huge on-air quotes. <laughs> yeah, we had to look this up. Yeah. Wait, the what the the fake key? From what the dog. part? The dog whistle? The picking up the key or walking up and replacing the thing with it? The getting using the dog whistle on the balcony to get the dogs to magically appear on the second floor from nowhere. There's on this a specific place only. There's a note that says like uh, he goes out on the back balcony. Like you're the only one that dog will come to. When you get the whistle, there's a document that explains where to go. Because <gasps> <laughs> like such bullshit. Well, JJ never found that or didn't read it or whatever. I think it's like because the dog whistle's in that like study, right? I think above I the remember. it was very early. There's like a that. yeah. There's like a save room, and above the the save room, there's a like a little study, and you go in there, and there's a dog whistle, and then there's a document right next to it, and it's like. It just is like, oh, well, you're the only person's dog would come to, so I hit something in its collar, uh, go out on the back balcony and fucking, like, play the whistle. It just like, does not explain why there's some just magic dogs on the second floor of balcony. They have infected with the T-virus. They can jump real high. But, uh, so what JJ was doing, so you didn't find or read that, was, uh, he was just going to, like, every room that was red or brown or whatever color the rooms are. <laughs> Blowing the whistle? No. Oh, okay. And he was just, like, looking and checking to, like, see if he found all the items. So he uh, knew, like, where he needed to do something. Right. And, like, he thought that that balcony was still, uh, red because it has that, those plants that are, like... You know, oh, you the can herbs. keep coming back here and, and grabbing the these. herbs, yeah. So he thought that's why it was still red and he thought he had gotten all the items there and he didn't want to use all of the herbs to check right so he just like assumed that that wasn't the place he needed to go they even have an incorrect balcony that more strongly signals the existence of like dogs you can whistle because there's the like west side first floor balcony you can go out to where you just see the dogs just sort of stalking you from outside the fence oh i shot the fuck out of them (laughs) this dog scared the shit out of me i'm sorry But yeah, I, was like, I think oh, they man. will jump over the fence eventually. They, they can. They do. Yeah, I think we yeah. figured that out when I came back there the second time and they jumped over the fence and tried to eat. Right. Me. Yeah, it's like the the famous like I think the most 
like Fenton talked about at least scare in the game, like the biggest jump scare because they don't really do that many. Yeah. Are the dogs coming through the window? And I thought it was a hilarious touch that in the remake the windows crack, like is like, and then when you go back through the hallway the dogs jump out. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh. You son of a bitch. Because <laughs> everyone's, like, tensed up and ready for that moment. And yep. then, like, it doesn't happen. It's amazing. But, yeah, I mean, like, that... I think the reason that's such a talked-about scare is just because most people don't get very far past that when they oh, play yeah. the game. I guess that makes sense. People mm-hmm. just don't reach the sharks. Right. The clearly scariest thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, well, do you want to take a break? Break time. Let break people time. think about sharks for a while. Break time. Oh, fairy! That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. You're right. Fairy, thanks for saving my life. Jill sandwich. Jill sandwich. Jill sandwich. We live? Yeah, we're back. Resident Evil is the raisin of video games. What a f- shocking revelation that <laughs> I have not heard raisins. before. <laughs> I do actually really like raisins, so this metaphor may be lost on us. Oh. <laughs> but please, explain, because I honestly like, don't know what you mean. Like those creepy raisin cartoons that like played the instruments? Oh, yeah, the, the California Raisins? Yeah, the California Is raisins. Resident Evil the California <laughs> Raisins of video games? No. We're just never going to let you go into this. Nope, never. All right. Resident Evil is the greatest of video games because... It is old. It is a little bit sweet. Just slightly sweet. Uh, but is mostly something that I wouldn't enjoy in large quantities. That's fair. I mean, for you specifically. Yeah. I don't... I, we, we've gone through a whole lot of discussions about individual mechanics, and I felt like I never got to sum up on my specific view on the game as a whole, which I think is incredibly important and more important than anyone else's specific view. Uh, That's true, yeah. That I kind of didn't like it. It's my nuanced opinion. I kind of suspected Yeah, that I kind of got the feeling you didn't like it that much. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's. Oh, it also should probably be noted that you, generally speaking, are not a horror game connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm the exact opposite <laughs> and play even the shittiest horror games. And... I like them all right. Yeah. <laughs> they're I, I they're pretty good. Yeah. I, I could not finish PT. I am a whiny baby child. <laughs> that's a, that's another story for another day. That's true, yeah. If oh man, if we could squeeze like a full hour and a half out of a thirty minute game PT? PT would oh, be the kidding? one to do. I could easily We could talk for PT. like five hours about PT. <laughs> Uh, it will just make you sad, though. So, it, so well, you know, tune in in the future. This is probably <laughs> talk about the California raisins, right? <laughs> and then team. maybe PT. Yeah, and then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have lots of stuff to say on PT, but this is not the time or the place. But maybe at the end of the episode, I'll talk about it might it a be little the place. bit. It might well is the place, but we'll see. But <laughs> I, I totally understand what you're getting at with the uh, with the the raisin analogy. I think that. Resident Evil is one of those games that doesn't age really well. I feel like it hurts itself, like, because of, like, the time period and the hardware that it was designed for, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't translate both to a modern mindset of most players and also to, like, modern hardware. I'll point out that the game does look 
fucking good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> looks man. beautiful. Like, yeah, the remake does an amazing job of moving it up, but even, like, the, the PlayStation 1 graphics, the environments are a little more sparse. And your characters look like Final Fantasy characters with, like, huge blocky limbs. But at the same time, like, you know, it, it doesn't look it doesn't look as dated as a lot of PlayStation games do. But mechanically and thematically, we've come pretty far since the first Resident right. Evil. I think you have to approach the game like I'm playing a PS1 game. Right. Like, if you can put yourself in that mindset, I think you can enjoy it. Yeah, or even I'm playing a like 2002 GameCube game. Yeah. yeah. Even from that perspective, though, I and I've attempted to think about this for a couple of hours leading into actually coming here to record. I couldn't get like, a solid answer in my mind for why this game was as successful as it was. And I thought you guys, as the actual people who like horror games, would be able to inform <laughs> well, me about that. didn't we, we say at the beginning of the episode, like, it invented the subgenre? Yeah. Like, as, a, as like, the progenitor of survival horror, it kind of, like, cemented its... It was something really unique at the time. If you look at something like, uh, like Half-Life, like how it basically reinvented the first-person shooter mm-hmm. uh, when it came out, it was incredibly successful a lot based on that. And it was also mechanically tight, but we're not talking about Half-Life here. Right. Uh, Resident Evil is moderately mechanically tight. <laughs> it is incredibly thematically tight. Yeah. And I feel like it makes a very large impression on a person on their first Also, most horror fans... Or, not most. Strike that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of horror fans like slow, tension-building horror, which right. this game delivers... Yeah, I gotta say that even uh, almost 20 years after its initial release, yeah. uh, this game scared me. Like, I legitimately did, like, I had some, like, you know, heart, like, quick pace. And even watching it, which is totally different, you know, like, when you play a horror game, it's a lot scarier. Yeah. From my personal experience, anyway. One of the reasons I like horror games so much is that, like, as, as a horror fan, the interactivity is, like, mm-hmm. it puts you another level immersed right but like i was saying um even watching it like it did really pull the wool over my eyes because i was like this isn't that scary yeah <laughs> and then when things started to change and it like it became scary like the tension building and the atmosphere pulled off really well right yeah i really think that the like gamecube remake specifically has a lot to thank for that because, as we saw when we uh, looked up the introduction to the game, <laughs> yeah. did not do a particularly good job. Where's Chris? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we couldn't make it through this whole thing without talking about the original voice acting, which is notoriously some of the worst voice acting ever. Or an FM- the FMV. Yeah, which I totally <laughs> even forgot about. Like I said, the game makes a really strong first impression on you, apparently strong enough to just wipe the memory of that awful FMV sequence from my mind oh uh, god yeah it's that's mm. i'm really glad they <laughs> re-recorded the voice acting for the remake yep i mean how could they not <laughs> i feel like it was just like a localization thing because capcom's a japanese company they probably just that like, happened a lot more back in the day yeah yeah Ugh. even playing life is strange recently like i do get like kind of bugged that it was animated with uh, Japanese voices and then dubbed English. Yeah, Square does that. Yeah, yep, a lot. It's really unusual, uh, but but I mean, it's acted well. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, Don't they go can, through that uh, door. <laughs> <laughs> they can afford uh, a lot of talent. That's true. Aquarians. Within the context of that horrible, awful, it, like tension shattering introduction sequences. <laughs> well, I mean, you have no tension before. The there's tension no tension to shatter. Prior to that, <laughs> yeah. is but just. But there's still cutscenes, right? The rest of the game. Right. right, right. But they occur. I mean, I'm saying that at that point, when the FMV kicks in, yeah. the only immersion that you've gotten <laughs> is that you booted the game and a guy went, Resident yeah. Evil. It is, it is really immersive, too, about how, much, how long you're playing. Yeah. yeah. Interrupted. Which is one and, thing that I liked about it. Yeah, yeah. I have on hand, uh, while I was searching to try and figure out why people like this game so much, mm. the original 1996 IGN review <laughs> for Resident Evil, all 12 sentences of it. Did they say they were blown away? This game rules, no bones about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so 90s. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> Please continue. Oh, all right. It's already one of the best-selling titles on the PlayStation, and with good reason. Never has a game combined excellent graphics with heart-stopping action and a great story in such a way as a to create story. an almost cinematic adventure. You really do feel like you're participating in a movie. It's amazing. Insert clip of Jill as the master of unlocking I was going to bring that up, right. too, but then we got talking about something else. Is the, the camera angles... And like Chad brought up, like you'll be shooting at something that's off screen, mm-hmm. and it'll walk in. It does kind of feel like you were playing a horror movie. Yes, yeah. that's that's one of the which what I think back then would have been like mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I can attest it absolutely is because like the that that like the way that the camera works is so like indicative of like why the game itself works yep. and why they kept doing it all the way through to code veronica x i think was the most recent one that had the same like tank controls camera changing situation mm-hmm. and yeah because it one it allows them to pre-render the backgrounds which makes the game which look amazing nice, yeah. and then also yeah it creates that additional tension it frees up a little bit of space like Technically speaking, that it still had downsides in the previously discussed like movement back and forth thing. Right. But that was one of the like intentional tension building features of the game that I really did enjoy. In contrast to the inventory system and like the normal co- sequence of combat. But, yeah. Yeah. Suffice yeah. to say, point stopping combat is not how I would describe the combat. <laughs> yeah, in a great story. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like so much of this is just complete horseshit. Yeah, the best like narrative <laughs> in the game is just like the. I don't want to say, not in the, like, the found narrative. Yeah. Like, yeah. the documents you pick up and, like, piece together, marred slightly by the fact that there are still typos in it 20 years later. There's still typos in They'd, like, yeah, occasionally oh. there would just be, like, a misspelled word, and you're, like... I feel like eh. less of a nerd for not realizing that. <laughs> 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 the person. That's good. Yeah. As a person who beat the game, how'd you feel about the ending? The ending? Yeah. Uh, well... I noted, I don't know if I've mentioned it here yet, that in an effort to finish the game before this recording, I dropped the difficulty setting down a notch for, uh, like, the end portion of the game, and, uh, oh, man, that last boss is, um, really easy. Like, really easy. Because you just shoot, like, because I just pulled out the magnum and walked up and shot him three times, he fell over. 
I backed up. He stood back up. I shot him three more times, and then he died. Or I mean, then he left, and later you shoot him with a rocket launcher. But that it happens in every Resident Evil game. <laughs> <laughs> so You're right about that. I've never noticed that before. There's they a weird number a, of through lines. A rocket launcher. Yeah, and and shooting into the thing you don't like. And there's always a self-destruct yeah, timer. Or not a t- This game didn't have... Oh, no, it didn't have a timer. Yeah, it had a timer. It's it a three-minute three minute timer at the end timer. of it. Yeah, there's one of those at the end of every Resident Evil game. There's a rocket launcher at the end of every Resident Evil game. And Wesker is a douche <laughs> in every Resident Evil game. Uh... You mean Duke Nukem? Yeah, Duke Nukem. <laughs> he only looks like Duke Nukem in this game. He looks more like Dante in the later games. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. The ending was fine. It, I didn't... Most of the fun of this game is everything leading up to the laboratory. And the laboratory yep. is just kind of tedious. Yeah. And that fits, I think, in line with horror movies. Right. Because <laughs> it's really hard to do a satisfying ending into a horror film, so a lot of them have bad endings. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, I mean, the ending... I, the, because the story itself wasn't satisfying, the ending basically could not have been satisfying. Unless they made a whole new story <laughs> and just told it beginning to end in the last cutscene. <laughs> there was no saving like what was there entirely narratively inept is like the notes have shown like I, I really thought that the whole the, the end with the girl was was nice that right. was a cool little subtle it's just a bad narrative. they have a bad way of showing things transpiring actually on screen in real time yeah they like that like sort of backward narrative and it works even in late like Resident Evil 4 is has is my favorite game period and has a terrible story, and is, like, just not very well told. But there's still, like, notes and stuff you can find that, like, explain it. It's not on the level of RE1, but it has, you know, some interesting... It's just better at that retrograde storytelling. Like, I don't know why. I just thought it was weird in retrospect, and you guys might tell me whether this is a common or not common occurrence in the horror genre as a whole, that... They had this like slow tension building atmosphere in which the character is consistently disempowered, and then they chose to end it by being like, "Blow it up with a rocket launcher." <laughs> <laughs> it's that sweet release. Yeah, and evidently it's a thing they've done in every game. Yeah. When I was thinking back, it made sense in the context of four because in four they did a lot of things to st- empower you comparatively more, like the intentional aiming system, the over-the-shoulder camera that allowed for ease of movement. It also allowed you to fight things that were, like, much larger and more intimidating. Man, yeah, yeah, it was... I it was over-the-shoulder camera, <laughs> but that's a different topic. Yeah. They, they did a lot to make it feel more action-here, so it's like, okay, it makes sense in Ford that you would kill the big monster in the end with a rocket launcher. Right. But in this game, it was like... Keep in mind, also, in Resident Evil 4, Maybe it was like you... a Jaws reference. <laughs> the perfect life form just, yeah, just yeah, needs to be shot more. In 4, you actually just always have access to a rocket launcher as, like, a fuck you button. <laughs> like, because you can just buy one for 100,000 pesetas at any point pesetas. in the game. Pesetas. Uh, <laughs> no longer the currency of Spain, in case anyone was wondering. Oh, they changed it because they're in the EU now. Why? Why did you look that up? Yeah, recently I saw a document uh, that had like pesetas listed, and I was like, I know what that is because of Resident Evil. And then I looked it up. I was like, that information is no longer relevant. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, yeah, but yeah, that like in Resident Evil Four, like if you just didn't like a boss, you could just take what like the tr- sell your treasure out, buy a rocket launcher, <laughs> and just detonate it, and be like, moving on. <laughs> Don't need to fuck around with that. That's what I did with uh, Salazar and my 100% run, is I just didn't want to fight him because he's a boring fight. <laughs> he's not boring. I hate criticizing that game because it's the perfect game. But <laughs> it's just like, I was just like, I'm Can it really be a perfect game with yeah. a bad story? <laughs> <laughs> and like a kind of a shitty boss. The ghost of Daniel like, Lawton begins to <laughs> appear over this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, Resident Evil 1, very weird that they have just like, they just drop a rocket launcher. Yeah. It's actually, if you. Save Chris and Barry as Jill. It's not entirely clear where the rocket launcher comes from because they it's the helicopter, isn't it? Is it Brad, the helicopter pilot? Does he drop it? I'm glad you know the name of the helicopter pilot. Right. And yeah, yeah, I thought the helicopter pilot was like, use this launcher, and then it falls from the sky. Like, who else is in the sky? Other than the, the, well, it, it, the scene, <laughs> with the scene that it's the Eagles. From <laughs> the scene where it shows that the thing was just like two feet off the ground, and the rocket launcher just like whoop falls into frame. <laughs> Also, I feel like you don't want to drop a loaded rocket launcher out of a helicopter. I feel like it would just explode. <laughs> I don't know. They could just be mo- movie lo- logic working on us there. I don't yeah, know yes. the actual volatility of like rockets and right. explosives and grenades and stuff. Although I do know that if you throw wood into a fire and that wood is grown around a, a live grenade, it will explode and kill you. Oh, I'm glad that you know that. Yeah. Experience? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was... <laughs> Dude, that... Like, it's a really scary thing to think about. Yeah. Fun recent news story. <laughs> There's still, how does that even happen? It's a recent news story because it happened once ever. <laughs> it's still very possible. It was in, like, Switzerland or something. It was, like, a World wow. War II grenade that hadn't gone off, and, like, the tree grew around it. And... Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It's weird they didn't blow up while the tree was getting cut down. Ah. That's fine. I guess that's more evidence for the non-volatility uh, of explosives. That's true, you yeah. chop them repeatedly while shaking and stuff. But don't fucking walk at a brisk pace while carrying a slightly <laughs> flammable capsule of material. Yeah. Or maybe extreme. It was behind, like, a blast door. I assume it's <laughs> at least notably volatile. <laughs> no volatility. Yeah. That thing. Well, uh, any other, like, interesting points? Because we got kind of a heavy housekeeping session at the end of this one. <laughs> The, the computer was cool. What computer? Yeah, you mentioned it. What computer are you talking about? It's right at the end when you're in the laboratory and you're like disengaging all like the locks and you entering the passcode. They just like built this like whole fake computer for that one sequence. Oh, yeah. oh, that one. I yeah, assume that cool. also existed in the original game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just... Uh, I have I just... nothing substantial to say about that whatsoever. <laughs> well, the end of it had lots of computers. I, I actually didn't note that, that it was interesting that they had, like, a little, like, desktop simulator. Yeah. They used the analog stick to, like, move the cursor on the screen, too. Yep. It's pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pull oh, rad. yeah, I should note that I did play nine hours of this game and, in fact, recorded this podcast with the new Steam controller. <laughs> <laughs> Time to shift to hardware analysis. <laughs> I'm not going to analyze the hardware. I'm just saying that it worked pretty well for this game. Because you don't use, like, the camera at all. Oh, yeah. So you don't have to interact with the trackpad in any way. Huh. You can just move with the analog stick and press these, these um, 
buttons. Yeah, that's what they uh, the yeah, kids yeah. be calling them buttons now. <laughs> they're sloppy and imprecise. And imprecise. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And also, I like that you can use it to fucking click buttons on Audacity from a couch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty nice. Steam yeah. controller. A-okay. <laughs> Don't buy it yet. Wait for a little bit. <laughs> still good. It's still okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Resident Evil. Game. Horror. Pretty scary. You acknowledge it's frightening. Yeah, yeah, but not in not in a jump scare sense, in a tension sense, in like a like you always expect something to happen that's horrible and will kill you, and that is what's frightening. Right. But that thing doesn't happen. It could happen. It's, it, it is the illusion it that, that thing will happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I know how I feel. Hmm. I know how you feel. How does Andy Kenick feel about this video? Uh, here? let me see. I. Did, I didn't know pr- knew pretty much nothing about this game other than that it's popular. Yeah. Um, so going into it, it was a lot more like an adventure game than I expected. Mm-hmm. So I ended up l- like liking it a lot more than I thought I would. And yeah, it did. It pulled the wool over my eyes, as I said earlier. I thought like, oh, this didn't hold up well at all. It's not scary in any way. And then it like <laughs> even a little. Then, and then. The, it did. It it was the slow burn. It built the tension and became scary, which made it even more effective for me. So, those are positive things. That yeah, I I mean, yeah, I think as a game from 1996, it's held up pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid. Yeah. All right. So like more like a 7.8 or like a 7.9. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do give it like a green out of blue. <laughs> right. That's pretty good. I gotta say. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm writing that down. You're gonna have to use the out of blue rating system again. Full series. I think it's pretty easy, but anyway, yeah. No, I think it's it's. I play a lot of horror games, and this game, even today, actually frightens me, which is pretty unique. I gotta say. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, you play a horror game and like you get like the jump scares or whatever, which. Honestly, I'm not against jump scares as a thing. Yeah, they can be effective. Can, like, I yeah. like them in Outlast a lot. Right. They're really effective in that game. And, uh, but, but this game, like, just, yeah, like, I just felt nervous the whole, like I told you, I had to play a cooldown game when I finished it. <laughs> because it's like, I played it up until about, like, four in the morning, and then I was just like, kind of like, well, I, I worked midnight, so oh, that yeah. was, like, middle of the day. Yeah. And I was just, like, kind of feeling just sort of gross and, like, sticky. From, like, <laughs> blowing things up uh, with a rocket launcher. And I was like, I just gotta, like, fucking chill out. And I played, like, a 30-minute platformer for a it while. It is, like, designed to stress you out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil is a raisin that will make you sticky. <laughs> there we go. We yep. figured it out. Yep. That's, the that end. is the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, No Clap. No Clap. No Clap. <laughs> I clapped several times, actually, already this episode. Uh, th- thank you for listening to No Clip this week. Um, man, I actually have some stuff I have to say. Uh, one, we are finally set up pretty effectively on Twitter now. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I've, I actually have that all, like, worked out. We have, like, a bio and pictures and shit. Yeah, uh, pictures? Well, I mean, just the uh, logo on the banner. Okay. It, it looks nice. You never tell me anything, Chad. The cameraman has been taking photos of us while sitting on this okay. couch. Okay. That's, uh, that's going to be at Noclip uh, Podcast, right? Yeah, at Noclip Podcast on Twitter. Um, as always, uh, we have a website set up 
uh, it's like a blog style kind of thing at noclippodcast.com. Um, and you can send us email at noclippodcast at gmail.com. Uh, notably, the reason that's there at all and why I'm telling you guys about that is uh, we just kind of want to receive feedback in general, either about the games that we talk about, if you have like a rebuttal on our point, want to tell us that we're stupid or awesome or whatever, uh, technical things, like if you think we could be doing something to make this better, I'm okay with that as well, and you know, anything else, and if we get enough of them, uh, we might record like a feedback style episode in between two episodes, because I don't want to break... Like a mailbag kind of thing? I would say like a mailbag, I want it to be associated with like the previous episode. So it's like if somebody sends us information about Splatoon relating to a point that we made, we want to be like, well, this is like uh, what we heard back about you. Splatoon and then move on. Um, After we, of course, immediately tell you how wrong you were and everything <laughs> right. you sent us. <laughs> <laughs> we got this email. Right. If we ever get an email... Uh, it was bad. About like what... Uh, if you, they got the trivia question from Shadow of the Colossus, right? <laughs> yeah. Have to respond, great job. But, uh, yeah, I mean, depending on the number of them we get, we'll just read probably everything. Please love us. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's neat. Uh, additionally, we have a YouTube channel now. Uh, due to some, like, horrible nonsense that goes into, like, setting everything up properly to get released on iTunes... I was going to forgo that for the time being until we have enough people to following us to justify spending the money on it. So maybe never. So possibly <laughs> never. Uh, so for the time being, you can... I basically put direct links on the website to audio files uh, for each episode. You know this already if you're listening to it. Uh, so this is probably less important, but Go also... <laughs> but if you used that method... Then the alternative method that might be more, like, pleasing to you is that we now have each of these up on YouTube, um, where we might experiment with putting some other content up there as well. Yeah. Uh, Stay tuned. It'll be potentially silly or interesting. Yeah, or and maybe soon. But might, probably neither of those. <laughs> there might actually already be uh, something up there when this episode goes live, uh, but we'll see. And obviously, comment on that. Leave us feedback if you want. Um, that's I think everything. Next week's episode or next? Oh yeah, yeah. Episode. Oh shit! I... The next thing you guys should be playing uh, before. Are we yeah. gonna we... do Wind Waker? We're doing Wind Waker. The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker the is going to be of Zelda the Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> These are. Uh, this is part two in our two part. Uh, series of episodes on games that have had an HD remake, <laughs> and one of those games was on the GameCube. <laughs> uh, Please send an exhaustive list because it's a really specific thing and kind of hard to look up. I'm so. pretty sure that the, well, it's only a two part series, so we're done after next week. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Wind Waker's the next one. Um, oh, and also, because I just want to extend this as long as humanly possible. Good. Uh, it is Halloween when this Ooh. is coming out. Uh, my favorite holiday because I already only play horror games and watch horror movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is the time of the month when people don't think I'm weird for doing it. <laughs> Uh, Chad is in fact covered in blood currently. The, yeah, this <laughs> I was making a Halloween costume 
uh, jacket from Hotline Miami, and I smashed some Christmas ornaments with a baseball bat to get, like, a blood spatter on my coat, and the blood does not come off of my hands at all. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting here in, like, a blood-stained t-shirt with, like, red hands recording this podcast. Oh. <laughs> you look great. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to like, I guess throughout, uh, it is the season for horror games, a few like kind of short, maybe less heard of, uh, games that are out that you can play, uh, for the season. Um, my recommendations probably go to, uh, if you have it already downloaded because they took it off the fucking network, PT. Uh, the playable teaser for Silent Hills is an amazing game that we might do an episode on at some point in the future. It's really short. JJ couldn't even play it because he was so scared. It might be the scariest piece of media I've ever, like, interacted yeah. with. Yeah. I <laughs> actually agree. That's not an overstatement. Yeah. It's pretty fucking horrifying. Uh, I just started playing a game, like, literally before we started recording this, called Layers of Fear, which is a dumb name we'll for a game... we laughing at that name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is about, like, it's a horror game based around, like, paintings. It's in early access right now. I think it's moderately cheap. Uh, it's kind of like a haunted house game. It feels almost like it's a spiritual, like, cousin to PT, and is, you know, interesting in that regard. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Sure. Uh, I would recommend Outlast is a great game. Um, Year Walk is a game I played recently. Year Walk is it's, great. It's short. It was adapted from a mobile game. I know it's on the Wii U eShop. It's probably other places. Yeah, you get it on Wii U, Steam, on Steam, yeah. on iOS and Android. Okay, yeah. So all those places. Uh, it's like a kind of like point and click style game. It's really unique and fun. Um, I would also recommend Harvester. Oh, fuck yes, Harvester. The cult classic, like, <laughs> 90s horror point-and-click adventure game. Uh, also, I had another one. Fatal Frame? Fatal Frame, that's the one. Yeah, the new uh, Fatal yeah, Frame game. The new Fatal Frame, it, you can play the first, like, two levels, plus the prologue for free on the eShop, and I would recommend checking that out, because it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, even though this is a little bit outside my wheelhouse, uh... I'd personally recommend Big Rigs Over the Road Racing. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of horror. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) More like existential, but you'll get there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, and also just uh, the spookiest game. Uh, I can't remember this developer's name right now, but uh, his entire catalog is really interesting. Uh, the Moon Sliver, um, Finger Bones, and the Music Machine. Uh, Finger Bones, I know, is free. The other ones are 2 or $3 that you can get through each of them in about a half an hour. Uh, they're really interesting, kind of, like, very quick. They're all built in Unity. Um, very, like, narrative-heavy, like, tension-y horror games. And uh, the Static Speaks My Name is sort of like a comedic really dark comedic horror game that's also free on Steam. Um, all very cool games. What about The Cat Lady? 
Oh yeah, fuck the cat. That, that's definitely like a horror game. You guys it's, like too many horror games. They're super, really good. It's <laughs> super creepy and unsettling. Yeah, I think the cat lady counts as a horror game. Yeah, uh, play the crap out of the cat lady. It's like ten bucks. It's great. Yeah, support the developer. That's a really good game. We'll probably talk about it eventually. Yeah, it's also miraculous because it was built in AGS Adventure Game Studio, which is a piece of yeah. software that came out in the late nineties. So like, yeah, it. I was not, I didn't knew nothing about it, Chad. It's like, I got this weird game. Yeah. Like he says all the time. Because <laughs> yeah. you have and, every uh, game and you buy them all. <laughs> and we were just like, fuck it, yeah, let's play it. And it like blew me away how awesome it was. Oh, it's so good. Um, not to overrate it or anything. <laughs> and then obviously Amnesia, its sequel, uh, <laughs> the Penumbra series. Basically play all of Frictional's catalog as well. <laughs> you have one day. Because <laughs> this is Halloween. <laughs> you have until the end of the day today to play all of these games. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 4, best game ever made. <laughs> we can cut this off. I'm actually just going to keep listing horror games and then we'll slowly fade out. Okay. Until it's indiscernible. Uh... I don't know. Did you have any actual horror game recommendations? No, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. Uh, I didn't want to list anything huge. Oh, yeah. How, well, we may be putting up a YouTube video of us playing home. It's not like a traditional horror game, but it's uh, it's kind of spook, spook a lot. It's spook a lot. It's on, the, on the meter. Yeah. <laughs> it's not spook a little. Or yeah. spook a moderate. Uh, Gone Home is uh, a heartfelt narrative game with a ghost in it. We I'm kidding, it doesn't have a ghost every in it. Single <laughs> game. You have to make it decide. There's like 12 games. Yeah, but they're all really good. They don't get loved. You don't know things, yeah. JJ. One at a time. You guys could have your own horror game podcast. A podcast. <laughs> Just like a mwah, beautiful. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, you can have your own horror game podcast called, I don't know, like, No Piss, where you don't piss your pants. That way it has to happen. (laughs) Alright, look out for No Piss, piss episode one. It's uh, 2012. It's not great. Good podcast, though. That uh, I'm gonna belch and it's gonna ruin the recording. You're <laughs> <laughs> not leaving it in. It's yeah, it's notable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is notable. There's no jazz in Resident Evil that I'm aware of. Rock and roll, JJ, not jazz. But, uh, 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 Resident uh, Evil. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Oh, we forgot to introduce ourselves again. I'm Chad Rutherman. <laughs> I'm Chad Rutherman. <laughs> I'm Chad Rutherman. Oh, uh, welcome to No Clip. Today we're going to be talking about Resident Evil. <laughs>